0: The critical supply chain risks we all need to know about. The labor shortage hits supply chains hard. And more consolidation among the nation's railroads. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories, as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the Editorial Director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Softion. Softion delivers powerful warehouse management, warehouse execution, and distributed order management solutions, delivered on time, on budget, and on results, with the market's only track record of 100% deployment success. That's why logistic leaders including Casey Stores, the Duluth Trading Company, Do It Best, Saddle Creek Logistics, and many more are powered by Softion. Visit them at softion.com. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insight into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, people who have never heard of supply chains are well aware of them now with the shortages and slowdowns brought on by the pandemic. We have a better understanding of some of the vulnerabilities within our supply chains. And today our guest will share about a new study looking at supply chain risk. Jim Yarbrough is the Global Intelligence Manager at BSI. He leads a team of supply chain risk analysts and assesses the potential threat of security, corporate social responsibility, and business continuity risk to countries and businesses worldwide. Welcome to Logistics Matters, Jim. Good to have you with us. Thanks, David. Nice to be here. And as I mentioned, your company, BSI, released its annual Supply Chain Risk Insights 2021 report. First of all, could you tell us a bit about BSI and the purpose of the report?
1: Yeah, sure thing. Uh, BSI is a British standards institution, and uh, our our main mission, if you will, is to enable organizations to basically perform better. And we share knowledge, innovation, best practices uh, to make excellence uh, a habit all over the world every day. And uh, my organization within uh, BSI, the intelligence program that you mentioned, uh, we work with organizations all around the world to help understand where risks are in the supply chain and really try to quantify and qualify what those threats are Uh, and those things can be uh, related to criminal activities such as cargo theft and warehouse theft, uh, but smuggling um, of illicit materials throughout the supply chain. Uh, But we also look at, you know, poor labor conditions or forced labor conditions around uh, the world. And business continuity disruptions, as you mentioned, uh, and those those can be from natural disasters, of course, uh, but also looking at man-made disruptions, any type of political strife or labor strikes, uh, really anything that can disrupt the supply chain. And our mission uh, in the intelligence organization is really to define what those risks are. Uh, you know, make our Um, clients aware of what those risks are, but also help them mitigate those risks and become more resilient uh, and really, you know, flesh out what those risks are within their own supply chains and help improve those conditions all around the world.
0: You touched on some of the general areas of risk. What were some of the, the specifics that you found in this year's report that our readers should know about? You know, one of the larger things
1: with supply chain risks in 2020 and moving into 2021, um, you know, in transit, cargo is always the most vulnerable for these criminal activities that we're speaking of. Uh, But in, you know, during the pandemic and then lockdown phases all around the world, there was a a pretty significant shift in terms of in transit, cargo theft is still the number one uh, way that criminals attack. Uh, the supply chain, but warehouses themselves. Uh, we saw a, a large increase in warehouses becoming the targets for theft. Uh, um, you know of commodities uh, that we typically see, but also emerging um, commodities that were related to the pandemic, so hand sanitizer and PPE equipment. Um, we we started seeing a lot of thefts of those, you know, in stockpiles uh, as they became more popular. Uh, on the black market, of course, uh, and easier to sell. Uh, we saw increases in those areas. Uh, and then kind of the, uh, you know, associated things like uh, like tobacco and alcohol always targets of theft uh, within the supply chain, but we saw pretty significant increases in those areas as well, specifically from warehouses. Um, and we saw this trend these trends that I'm speaking of, it was not isolated to a particular region. Uh, We saw it in Europe. We've seen it in Africa and South Africa. We saw it in South America. We saw it uh, here in the United States where I am too.
0: Have uh, some of the shortages also that we've experienced during the pandemic led to um, increased risk? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So uh, when those commodities become,
1: you know, of more value to the open market and the black market especially, Uh, we did see increased um, opportunistic criminal activity happening there as well. Uh, So, you know, like building materials, for example. Uh, So, you know, the price of building materials is is much higher now than it was, say, you know, at the end of 2019. Uh, And we saw an increase in the number of uh thefts around the world. And I, I'm talking about in the supply chain. So moving, you know, in transit or in warehouses, uh, where we saw increased thefts of building materials,
0: for example. Well, we've been talking about the theft of a lot of products, but there were other things that you covered in the report as well that were risks, such as uh, labor exploitation. Can you address some of the labor issues that are a risk for us?
1: Yeah, well one thing that we we know that throughout the pandemic is that a lot of the, the most vulnerable populations in the world uh, became more susceptible to the labor uh, exploitation. Uh, so uh, I'll try to give you an example. So like the, you know, typical migrant labor workforces around the world, and I'm talking about legal migrant labor forces, so seasonality uh, workforces, uh, like in California, for example, we have uh, typical, uh, typically we see migrant labor being brought in, uh, for harvest seasons uh, The same thing in Canada as well, uh, that have populations moving up from South America or, or, uh, from Mexico. Of course, they were not able to move and, 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 you know, have that labor force during these, uh, lockdowns. Uh, but we have seen, you know, because those people, you know, they have to have income as well, you know, that, uh, they became more susceptible to, um, you know, poor working conditions, poor labor conditions, uh, in areas where we had not seen previously. Uh, and it's pretty alarming trend that, you know, that a lot of things from the pandemic, uh, the, you know, the pain of the pandemic from an economic standpoint and looking at, um, the sustainability of the supply chain and the resilience of the supply chain. It's, it's typically the more vulnerable populations that
0: are experiencing
1: the worst, um, pain from all of that
0: right how much do political situations around the world affect supply chain risk i'm thinking of like brexit for instance or countries dealing with china and Mm -hmm. areas of conflicts around the world how how much do they contribute to risk
1: In in a very large way uh frankly um so you know one thing i would also include in that category is regulatory changes that are happening you know through political change around the world um even before the pandemic the supply chain was becoming uh much more focused upon for regulatory changes and there are a lot of political issues around that so you mentioned brexit um uh, one thing that is this is kind of an oddball thing but it's it's associated with brexit that we've seen increases in food fraud for example in the supply chain uh so the opportunity uh from the criminal standpoint to mislabel or um you know misidentify ingredients within food and being shipped around the world uh we have seen increases in that uh around the united kingdom and ireland and 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 other areas of europe that are Uh, we believe are associated somewhat with the changing political landscape, Um, but also like looking at um, things like deforestation have become a much larger issue around the world. Um, And what I mean by that is that the countries around the world passing legislation, looking at deforestation, meaning that your supply chain is going to be much more scrutinized and there's going to need to be uh, larger efforts and uh, validation that goods produced uh, around the world are not being produced in association with deforestation activity Uh, for example in South America so um, there's a lot of new focus and new efforts by regulatory regimes all around the world that are focusing efforts to address these issues of deforestation forced labor there's a lot more scrutiny and there's a lot uh, more of a greater emphasis in terms of documenting and validating that your products and your business partners and your suppliers are not associated with these issues and um, there's just a whole lot more effort around all of those things
0: now right now a lot of these threats that you've talked about uh, have been going on for a long time and as we mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier this is an annual report have we seen any progress in addressing some of these threats from year to year?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, from our perspective, we work with a, a large number of organizations. And I, I can speak personally that uh, we have seen tremendous progress by the organizations that we work with, uh, that, you know, they are taking all of these issues very seriously. And they're really Trying to root out these issues uh with a you know just a large deal of effort uh by these organizations to make their supply chains resilient and to make sure that they are not the guilty party uh in these these large issues that we're seeing around the world. So I, I believe, I fully believe that yeah, this is this is really working, that there's a lot of greater emphasis, uh, and we are seeing organizations improve the resilience of the supply chain and to make
0: sure that they are not associated with any of these bad things that we're talking about here. Yeah, so what can companies do to re- reduce their supply chain risk? Yeah, knowledge
1: is is one of the biggest things, right? You know, these uh, companies are dealing with hundreds, oftentimes thousands of business partners and suppliers around the world. It's extremely difficult to keep track. You know, if if you're responsible for sustainability in your organization or supply chain security or compliance in the supply chain, It's a it's a it's a really large task to just understand, you know, where are your suppliers? Where are your business partners? Who are they? Uh, And so organizations are relying a lot more on software to make sure that they can map out their supply chain and understand on a daily basis who they're doing business with. And then uh, understanding, you know, what are the kind of the inherent risks, depending on where you are in the world and what you are around the world. Uh, And that takes a lot of effort as well, too. So we we work really hard to make sure that we're providing intelligence and information and analysis to people to understand, you know, how likely is it that these issues may affect their own organization and the business partners and suppliers that they're working with. Uh, But also every day when the world turns, these risks change, you know, the commodities we're talking about in terms of what is being targeted for cargo theft. That's one thing. But also looking at, um, you know, how labor uh, and people are being treated around the world in terms of the workforce. These things change every day. So arming your organization with a lot of knowledge and information, but also being able to um, rely on technology to help mitigate those risks and get a better understanding of what your supply chain really is on a daily basis. Um, You know, I started this work myself uh, about 13 years ago and it, I think we've moved light years ahead of where we were back then uh, in terms of understanding what those risks are and disseminating that information across the supply chain and making people actively engage in addressing these these issues
0: we've just really scratched the surface today how can our listeners obtain a copy of the supply chain risk insights 2021?
1: Yeah, you can uh, visit the BSI main website. It's bsigroup.com. Uh, and, and right there on the homepage, you'll see a link to the Supply Chain Risk Insights 2021 report. Uh, and you can just freely download it right there. There's a, It's an enormous report. There's a lot of great information. We have pulled together many great experts from around the world to contribute to this report. It's a fascinating read. Uh, I really encourage uh, your listeners to to download that report, Uh, but there will also be additional information there. If you want to take um, any of these issues
0: further, discuss
1: that with us, we'd be happy to do that.
0: Great. Thank you. We've been talking with Jim Yarbrough, the Global Intelligence Program Manager for BSI. Thanks for being with us today, Jim. Thanks, David. Have a good day. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. Victoria, you reported this week on labor shortages as the economy roars back and supply chains have been hit rather hard and have had a difficult time finding workers. What did you find?
2: Yes, that's right, Dave. So um, as we've heard quite a bit this past week, as you know, businesses across the country are struggling to find workers You know, as the economy rebounds from the pandemic and companies need help to meet that growing demand. And as you say, transportation and logistics is no exception. And some in the industry say they might be among the hardest hit. It started with last week's disappointing April jobs report and that was followed by more data this week that show job openings continue to exceed hiring. Both reports came from the Bureau of Labor Statistics and they're for different months, but they paint a picture that reflects the reality many transportation and logistics companies are facing. The second set of data I mentioned is from the um, Labor Department's job openings and labor turnover survey, and it essentially showed that openings exceeded hiring in March by about 2 million. As we've said, this is especially tough in transportation and logistics, which continues to roar back from the pandemic lows of a year ago, but is struggling, as you say, to find enough, in particular, truck drivers and warehouse workers to meet surging consumer demand. Just to give you one example, I spoke to Mark Allen, he's president and CEO of the International Food Service Distributors Association, also known as IFTA, who said his members are especially hard hit, and these are food industry distributors, you know, companies that run warehouses and fleets that serve restaurants, schools, hospitals, and other institutions. Allen said he'd heard from three large food industry distributors as recently as last Thursday, so just before the April Jobs report came out. And they said that combined, they needed to hire 8,000 truck drivers and warehouse employees to meet current demand. He said the uh, industry had been feeling the pinch for drivers since the early part of the year, which is something we've talked about in the podcast before, but that they hadn't seen demand heating up on the warehouse side until mid to late March. So that's the situation pretty much.
0: Yeah. And we've heard a lot about the need for drivers and reported on that. But what's driving the problem with finding warehouse workers?
2: Yeah, well, it really all comes down to the same set of factors you keep hearing across the board. Um, many point to the federal government's expanded unemployment insurance benefits, which they say is a disincentive to go back to work. There are also lingering fears over the virus, uh, health and safety concerns. And also, you know, there are still um, workers who are at home caring for children who are um, uh, in remote schooling in some places. So, those are the typical um, you know, reasons that we hear. I also spoke to Jack Kleinhens, and he's the chief economist at the National Retail Federation. He cited the same set of factors in the retail sector. And he said, you know, it continues to be a problem, even though many companies are offering higher pay in some cases and other incentives to find employees. Um, the good news, though, um, both Kleinhens and Allen said that many of these issues you know, may be temporary, we hope, especially now that we've seen some states make efforts to address the unemployment insurance issue in particular. Um, our readers have probably been following this as well, but a number of states have begun tightening unemployment requirements, and some have said they'll opt out of the additional federal unemployment insurance program before it's scheduled to end in the fall. Um, And actually, Alan mentioned that there's a grassroots campaign among IFTA members to support some of those more creative options that states are trying in order to get people back to work. So it's an ongoing issue, of course, but it's certainly one that we'll keep an eye on.
0: Yeah, Certainly, there are needs that need to be addressed if we're to keep our nation's products moving to meet the increasing demands. We'll certainly keep an eye on it. Thanks, Victoria. You're welcome. And Ben, you reported this week on acquisition and merger news among the nation's railroads. What can you tell us?
3: Yeah, that's right, Dave. Uh, Railroads often operate out of the headlines when people talk about some of the supply chain challenges. um, You know, whether it's the supply chain security that we're talking about with our guest, or uh, labor uh, that Victoria was just talking about. Uh, But you know, in fact, whether you're talking about you know container ports, you know Suez Canal, uh, you know the colonial pipeline hack. all the different modes of travel and freight transportation are connected. Uh, And we saw that this week uh, when Congress was talking about making some plans to take up the slack for gasoline delivery if the pipeline had stayed closed much longer uh, by turning to trucking and freight rail. So this week we heard about another move to connect rail and truck freight by strengthening their uh, intermodal connections when CSX Railway said it had acquired a bulk liquid chemicals truck truck Transportation fleet called Quality Carriers. Uh, the idea there is to link that chemical truck tanker network with CXX's rail network uh, so they can work around some of the extreme capacity tightness that we're seeing in the truckload sector. And that moves, you know, follows some other um, CSX organization uh, in recent years toward the same goals, uh, like its 2020 deal to buy a large regional carrier in New England called Pan Am Railways. Uh, Also, a push to expand its intermodal service network through a deal with uh, Canadian National. uh, And that's designed to convert long-haul trucking to uh, rail services. So, um, you know, as Victoria was saying, um, you know, people are getting creative to deal with some of these challenges.
0: Right. Do we see that trend happening in other parts of the rail sector as well?
3: Yeah, we sure do. Um, It's been a busy couple of weeks uh, in in a completely independent move, um, talking about Canadian National. Um, Canadian National is also trying to buy a U.S. Midwestern uh, freight rail line called Kansas City Southern. So about three weeks ago, um, Canadian National said it was trying to outbate its rival, Canadian Pacific, which also wants to buy that line. Uh, the idea there is that both of the Canadian railways have extensive east-west lines, uh, really running largely along the U.S.-Canada border. and Kansas City Southern basically runs north-south through the Midwest, through Kansas City, and all the way down into Mexico. So linking either of those networks, you can move freight uh, much more easily between all three nations. Uh, And that's really important as the new trade agreement, the USMCA, comes into effect to replace NAFTA. Uh, But interestingly, both the Canadian Railways also said uh, that if an acquisition goes through, and it's subject to quite a lot of uh, government approvals, antitrust at various levels, The combined deal could convert significant volumes of truck traffic onto rails. uh, And they argued that that delivers better fuel efficiency in terms of the gallons of gas required to move a ton of freight. Uh, And that's quickly becoming a more important measure in logistics as more companies focus on sustainability, greenhouse gas emissions, carbon footprints. Uh, So the fight to buy Kansas City Southern is still very much undetermined. Uh, We'll have to watch that closely and see whether either company wins and what the long-term impacts might be on both the rail and the truck side.
0: Right. It will be interesting to see how all that plays out. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, of course. We encourage listeners to go to DCVelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories. And also check out the podcast notes section for direct links on the topics we discussed today, including the the link to the BSI um, website as well. Thanks, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights from the news this week.
3: Always enjoy it, Dave.
2: Yes, you're welcome.
0: And again, our thanks to Jim Yarbro of BSI for being with us today. We encourage your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform and also to give us a rating. We appreciate your feedback, and it really does help people to find us. The new episodes of Logistics Matters are uploaded each Friday. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Softion. Softion helps companies orchestrate order fulfillment at the network level with distributed order management and at the DC level with Softion WMS Plus warehouse execution system. Meet customer demand at the least possible operating cost with Softion Solutions. Learn how at softion.com. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters, when we will discuss how West Coast port congestion has led many to shift to East Coast and Gulf ports for their cargo. So be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe and have a great week.